This is The Relaxed Male, a show that comes to you each week helping men to remove the nice guy from their life so they can actually live their life on their terms. Join the host, certified coach, Brian Goodwin, as he helps men step out of their heads and become free from the thoughts that bind them. Hey man, hello and welcome to The Relaxed Male, and I am your host, Brian, and I am a certified men's coach that assists men who are just neck deep in the suffering of their life, men who are going through a divorce, men who are just going through their day-to-day struggles. Life can come at us fast, and sometimes we become so overwhelmed that we just don't know what to do. I help men get to the root of what their suffering is and help them step back, relax, so that they can actually enjoy life. And in each episode, we look at what ta- what it takes to change how you look at life, change how you look at your circumstances, so that you are better, stronger, more successful on the other side without playing the victim so much. So, guys, thank you again for uh, for joining me. Said today, we're talking about finding the right high valued woman. But before we start, I want to say thank you for everyone who's been been listening. Everyone, our traffic to the sides has been growing. Traffic to the podcast has been growing, and I am grateful for that. And I appreciate all of y'all who are coming by listening. And uh, if you have any questions, comments about whatever you hear on the show, you can reach out to me, Brian at relaxedmail.com. And I'd be happy to, to actually talk with you and have a conversation without, don't have to worry about selling or anything. We're just going to have a conversation. So anyhow, now wanted to talk, let's go ahead and jump on into the show itself. So we're talking about finding the right high-valued woman this week. And I know there's a lot of people out there who are going to kind of wig out on that whole, the whole concept of finding the right high-valued woman. I was actually, I use Claude AI from time to time to see if I can get some decent inspiration on, on show titles. And one of the things that whenever I was looking for it, I was like, so what would be a good show title for a podcast about finding the right high valued woman? And every time I try to type some variation of that, if I mentioned high valued woman, it was, well, you probably don't want to use uh, derogatory terms. And it's like, it's not a derogatory term. <laughs> and that is one of the problems that society is having today is because so many people are so standoffish at the fact that you're being discerning, you're being exclusionary because you're looking for high valued woman, women. You're not going for the, for the blue haired one that's got 47 different piercings in their face and, and, you know, has shaped their teeth into, into spikes and, and wondering why they can't find a good man. Well, <laughs> you've turned yourself into a very low quality woman, but there's other things that, show men that there's low uh show men that there's low quality women also and we're going to be breaking all those down but to to break those down i first wanted to point out or at least start asking why can't you yourself find a high quality woman and i get a lot of guys immediately jump to the 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 comment almost the exact same comment that women make well, they're just not out there no more. Women don't even try anymore. You know, things like this. And both sides are really just button heads every single time when they talk about what a high valued man and a high valued woman is. But the reason why you yourself can't find a high valued woman 
is because of you. And that is where we struggle so much. We don't want to blame ourselves because we can't find a good woman in it for our life. And some people, guys are like, well, well, I found one and then she just up and up and forced. And yeah. Okay. You may have started out with having a high, you may have been the high level man for a high level woman, high valued woman. But what happened after you got married? You still have to provide high value after you marry. And so, yeah, there's times that women will, are going to bail. Now, some, they just are, have just, thanks to the fact that they are working a whole lot more than what they used to, what women used to, they're getting the midlife crisis. Now they're getting that problem where all of a sudden they're hitting their middle ages where, where they're about 30, 35 on up to 55. And they're starting to wig out a bit. They're going, Holy crap. I've spent my life climbing up the corporate ladder to not have anything. I mean, we're just, we've got a nice house. Yeah. But I not accomplished anything that I wanted to accomplish. I had that wig out back in my, back in my forties. And the, that actually is what perpetuated myself into, into becoming coach, uh, a coach and, and helping other men to not wig out so bad because I realized it's like, Holy smokes, man, I'm 40 years old already. And I've not done anything that I wanted to do. And that really just that that hit me square in the nose and really kind of freaked me out for a couple of years until I got things really kind of simmered down and and processed to the point where I'm okay with the fact that I am now fifty and having to and and having to still got I still have maybe another fifty years to go. I mean I'm about you know I've still got forty fifty years of good life in me. I don't plan on uh, plan on keeling over until I'm in my nineties. But if you view yourself as a low valued person and you, a lot of guys, we want to lie to ourselves. We want to go, yeah, no, I, I'm a, I'm the greatest thing since, uh, since sliced bread guys who over exaggerate like that know that they're low level. They're low valued men. There are good, strong, noble men out there. There are good, strong, very low valued men out there. And, but the noble men are the high valued men. And those are the ones who will normally receive the high valued women. Now, there's times you may make a, make a poor choice, but that's actually a lot rarer than what you would think. And a good example of you receive, uh, what you produce is out of the book of my favorite book, which is, the uh, Atlas Shrugged. And if you've not ever uh, read that book, it's a big book, but at the same time, it is such a, a powerful book. And there is, are two interactions in this book that are impactful, <laughs> I guess would be the best way to put it. The first is the, uh, the is Francisco Donconia's speech on money. And what he there, he is at a, uh, at a party at, at, at a party that, uh, Lily Reardon, which is Hank Reardon's, he's another big uh, character in the uh, in the story. Hank Reardon's wife is Lily Reardon. She's running. She's having a a a anniversary party, and while there, Francisco Donconia comes in, and every, he's he's anytime he shows up, he's he makes a stir. And Hank Reardon has always thought of of Francisco Francisco Donconia as being a really 
smarmy, low-level guy. Very rich, but still a very smarmy, low-level guy. Until he gets to talking at the party. And the there's a whole little little speech. And it's, it, when I say little, it's it's not that it's not all that long. But I wanted to go ahead and I wanted to break this down. We're actually going to read both of these uh, speeches to you today because there's a lot of details in here and see if I can. I'm, I also want to work on my on my speaking <laughs> abilities and see see our reading abilities and see how my narration actually works. But so the first one is the Donconia speech on money. And this really builds up a good platform of why value in a person is important and why some people produce value. And while other people try to run away from value, they try to steal from value. They try to rob with value. And you see a lot of this happening as of today in, in society. So let's, let's look at this. And here's the speech that uh, Francisco Donconia gave. So, do you think that mo- that money is the root of evil? Said Francisco Donconia. Have you ever asked what is the root of money? Money is the tool of exchange, which can't be it can't exist unless there are goods produced and men able to produce them. Money is the material shape of the principle that men who wish to deal with one another must deal by trade and give value for value. Money is not the tool of the moochers who claim your product by tears or looters who take uh, take it from you by force. Money is made possible only by men who produce. It is this what is this what you consider evil? When you exchange when you accept money in in payment for your efforts, do you you do so only on the conviction that you will exchange it for the product of the effort of the others. It is not the moochers or the looters or who give you value to money, not an ocean of tears. Not all the guns in the world can transfer those pieces of paper in your wallet into bread that you will need to survive for those pieces of paper, which should have been gold are a token of honor. You claim your claim upon the energy of the men who produce Your wallet is your statement of hope that somewhere in the world around you, there are men who will not default on that moral principle, which is the root of money. Is this what you consider? Have you ever looked at for the root of production? Take a look at the electric uh, generator and dare to tell yourself that it was created by the muscular effort of an unthinking brute. Try to grow a seed of wheat without knowing without the knowledge left to you by men who had to discover it for the first time. Try to obtain your food by means of nothing but physical motions. You will learn that man, that man's mind is the root of all the goods produced and all the wealth that has ever existed on earth. But you say that money is made by the strongs at the expense of the weak. What strength do you mean? It is not the strength of guns or muscle. Wealth is the product of a man's capacity to think. Then is money made by men who invented a motor at the expense of those who did not invent it? Is money made by the intelligent at the expense of the fools? By the able at the expense, by the able at the expense of the incompetent? By the ambitious at the expense of the lazy? Money is made before it can be looted or mooched, made by the 
effort of every honest man, each to the extent of his ability. An honest man is one who knows he can't consume more than he has produced. To trade by means of money is the code of the men of goodwill. Money rests on the axiom that every man is the owner of his mind and his effort. Money allows no power to prescribe the value of your effort except the voluntary choices of the men who are willing to trade you his effort in return. Money permits you to obtain for your goods and your labor that which you they are worth to the men who buy them, but no more. Money permits no deals except for those mutual benefit by the unforced judgment of the traders. Money demands of you the recognition that men must work for their own benefit, not for their own injury, for their gain, not their loss. The recognition that they are not beasts of burden, born to carry the weight of your misery, that you must offer them value, not wounds. Not that the common bond among men is not the exchange of suffering, but the exchange of goods. Money demands that you sell not your weakness to men's stupidity, stupidity, but your talent to their reason. It demands that you buy, not the shoddiest that they offer, but the best your money can find. And when men live by trade with reason, not force as their final arbiter, it is the best product that wins the best performance, the man of the best judgment uh, and the highest ability and the degree of a man's uh, productiveness is the degree of his reward. It is the code of existence whose tool is a symbol of money. Is that what you consider evil? But money is only a tool. It'll take you wherever you wish, but it will not replace you as the driver. It will give you the means of the, for the satisfaction you desire, but it will not provide you with the desires. Money is the scourge of the men who attempt to reverse the laws of causality, the men who seek to replace the mind by seeking the product of the mind. Money will not produce happiness for the man who has no concept of what he wants. Money will not give him a code of values. He is, if he's evaded the knowledge of what to value and it will not provide him with a purpose. If he's evaded the choice of what to seek, money will not buy intelligence for the fool or admiration for the coward or respect for the incompetent. The man who attempts to purchase the, purchase the brains of his superiors to serve him with his, with his money replacing his judgment ends up becoming the victim of his inferiors. Men of intelligence desert him, but the cheat and the frauds come flocking to him, drawn by the law which he has not discovered, that no man may be smaller than his money. This Is this the reason why you call it evil? Only the man who does not need it is fit to inherit wealth. The man who does not make his own fortune, no matter where he started, if it is if an heir is equal to his money, it serves him. If not, it destroys him. If you look on and you cry that money corrupted him, did it? Or did he corrupt his money? Do not envy the worthless heir. His wealth is not yours and you have not you would have done no better with it. Do you think that he that it should have been distributed among you? 
Loading the world with 50 parasites instead of one would not bring back the dead virtue, which was the fortune. Money is a living power that dies without its root. Money will not serve the mind that cannot match it. It is the reason why you call it. Is this, is this the reason why you call it evil? Money is your means of survival. The verdict you pronounce upon the sources of your livelihood is the verdict you pr- produce pronounce upon your life. If the source is corrupt, you have damned your own existence. Did you get your money by fraud, by pandering to man's vices and men's stupidity, by catering to fools in the hope of getting more than your ability deserves, by lowering your standards, by doing your doing work you despise for purchasers you scorn? If so, then your money will not give you a moment or a penny's worth of joy. Then all the things you buy will become not a tribute to you, but a reproach, not an achievement, but a reminder of shame. Then you will scream that money is evil, evil because it did not pinch hit for you in respect, evil because it would not let you enjoy your depravity. Is this the root of your hatred for money? Money will always remain an effect and refuse to replace you as the cause. Money is the product of virtue, but it will not give you virtue and it will not redeem your vices. Money will give you the unearned, uh, will not give you the unearned. Neither will, uh, in matter nor in spirit. Is this the root of your hatred of money? Or did you say it's the love of money that's the root of evil? To love a thing is to know and love its nature. To love money is to know and love the fact that money is the creation of the best power within you. Your pass key to trade your effort for the effort of the best among men. It is the person who would sell his soul for a nickel. Who is the loudest in proclaiming his hatred of money. And he is the... It has good reason to hate it. Lovers of money are willing to work for it. They know they are able to deserve it. Let me give you a tip on the clue of men's character. The man whose damned money is has obtained it dishonorably. The man who respects it has earned it. Run for your life from any man who tells you that money is evil. The sentence is the leper's bell of, the, of an approaching looter. So long as men live together on earth and the need means to deal with one another, their only substitute, if they abandon money, it is the muzzle of a gun. But the money demands of you the highest virtues. If you wish to make it or keep it, men who have no courage, pride, or self-esteem, men who have no moral sense in their right to their Money are not willing to defend it as they defend their life. Men who apologize for being rich will not remain rich for long. They are their natural bait for the swarms of looters who stay under the rock for centuries, but come crawling out at the first smell of a man who begs to be forgiven for the guilt of owning wealth. They will hasten to relieve him of that guilt and of his life as he deserves. Then you will see the rise of men of double standard. Men who live by force yet count on those who live by trade to to create the value of their looted money. Men who are the hitchhikers of virtue. In a moral society, these are the criminals. And the statutes are written to protect you against them. But when society establishes criminals by right and looters by law, 
men who use force to seize the wealth of disarmed victims, then men become its creators of avenger. Then money becomes its creators of avenger. Such looters believe it is safe to rob defenseless men once they've passed a law to disarm them. But their loot becomes the magnet for other looters who give it uh, get it from them as they have gotten it. Then the race goes not to the ablest at production, but to those most ruthless at brutality. When force is the standard, the murder wins over the pickpocket. And then that society vanishes in the spread of ruins and slaughter. Do you wish to know whether that day is coming? Watch money. Money is a barometer of society's virtue. When you see that trading is done, not by consent, but by compulsion, then you see that in order to produce, you need to obtain permission from men who produce nothing. When you see that money is flowing to those who deal, not in goods, but in favors, then you see that men get rich by graft and by pull than by work. Your laws don't protect you against them, but protect them against you. When you see corruption being rewarded and honesty becomes a self-sacrifice, you know that your society is doomed. Money is so noble a medium that it does not compete with guns. It does not make terms with brutality. It will not permit a country to survive as a half-property, half-loot. Whenever destroyers appear among men, they start by destroying money. For money is, is men's production and the base of moral existence. Destroyers seize gold, leave it, uh, leave to its owners a counterfeit pile of paper. This kills all objective standards and delivers men into the arbitrary power of arbitrary settlers, setter of values. Gold was an objective value, an equivalent of wealth produced paper is a mortgage on wealth that does not exist backed by a gun aimed at those who are expected to produce it paper is a check drawn by legal looters upon an account which does not which is not theirs upon the virtue of victims watch for the day when it bounces marked account overdrawn when you have made evil the means of survival do not expect men to remain good do not expect them to stay moral lose and lose their lives for the purpose of becoming the fodder of the immoral do not expect them to produce then production is punished and looting rewarded do not ask who is destroying the world you are you stand in the midst of the greatest achievement the greatest productive civilization and you wonder why it's crumbling around you while you're damning its lifeblood, money. You look upon money as savages did before you, and you wonder why the jungle is, jungle is creeping back to the edge of your cities. Throughout men's history, money has always was always seized by looters, by one brand or another. Those names changed, but those methods remain the same. To seize wealth by force is to keep producers bound, demeaned, defamed, and deprived of honor. That phrase about the evil of money, which your mouth with such righteous recklessness comes from a time when wealth was produced by labor slaves. Slaves who repeated the motions once discovered by somebody's mind and left unimproved for centuries. So long as production was ruled by force, 
Wealth was obtained by conquest. There was little to conquer. Yet through all the centuries of stagnation and starvation, men exalted the looters as aristocrats of the sword and aristocrats of birth and aristocrats of the bureau and despised the producers as the slaves, as, as traders, as shopkeepers, as industrialists. To the glory of mankind, there was, for the first and only time in history, a country of money. And I have no higher, no reverent tribute to pay to America. For this means a country of reason, justice, freedom, production, achievement. For the first time, man's mind and money were set free and there were no fortunes by conquest, but only fortunes by work. And instead of swordsmen and slaves, there appeared a real marker of wealth, the greatest worker, the highest type of human being, the self-made man, American industrialist you want to ask me to name the proudest distinction of america i would choose because it contains all the others the fact that they were the people who created the phrase to make money no other language or nation had ever used these words before men had always thought of wealth as a static quality to be seized begged inherited shared looted obtained as a favor americans were the first to understand that the wealth has to be created the word to make money holds the essence of human morality yet these are the words for which americans were denounced by the rotted cultures of looters con now the looters credo has brought you to regard your proudest achievements as a hallmark of shame your prosperity as guilt your greatest men the industrialist as black guards and your magnificent factories as the product and property of muscular labor the labor of whip-driven slaves like the pyramids of egypt the rotter who simpers that he has no difference between the power of the dollar and the power of the whip ought to learn the difference uh, on his own hide as i think he will until and the useless, and unless you discover that money is the root of all good, ask yourself, you ask for your own destruction. And when money ceases to be a tool by which men deal with one another, then men become the tools of men, blood, whips, guns, or dollars. Take your choice. There's no other. And your time is running out. Now that there's a lot to process in there. And I would recommend you go back and listen to this couple, three times. Because you see that your your mind is what creates your value. And that's the biggest part that I wanted to get out of that first part of that speech. Your mind makes the value. The low-level guys, the guys who are running around breaking into shops these days and just creating the big the big cities as being these low value because the value of San Francisco of LA of of Seattle of of Tacoma Washington all these places they're valued people are leaving why because they have allowed the value of men to stop happening even Silicon Valley is going peace out man I'm gone I'm bouncing out of here they the value that the these cities have created are so bad and they're so full of literal looters and thieves that the value, the money, the symbol of our, of our honor is leaving and going to higher quality places, higher valued areas like Idaho, Texas, Oklahoma, Florida. And this is where it jumps into the second speech. And Ayn Rand 
expresses this wonderfully. Also, this also comes from Atlas Shrugged. And again, Francisco Donconia is talking to Hank Reardon, except this time, this is later in the book and they are, they're talking with each other and it's got a, it's got a very interesting turn because this is Donconia's speech on sex. Do you remember what I said about money and about the men who seek to reverse the laws of cause and effect? Men who try to replace the mind by seizing the products of the mind. The man who despises himself tries to gain self-esteem and sexual adventures, which can't be done because sex is not the cause, but the effect and an expression of a man's sense of his own value. Hank Rudin said, you'd better explain that. Did it ever occur to you that it's the same issue? Men who think that wealth comes from material resources and has no intellectual root or meaning are the men who think for the same reason that sex is a physical capacity, which functions independently of one's mind, choice, or code of values. They think that your body creates a desire, makes a choice for you about just about in some, some such way as if iron ore transformed itself into railroad rails of its own volition. Love is blind, they say. Sex is impervious to reason and mocks the power of all philosophers. But in fact, a man's sexual choice is the result of the sum of his fundamental convictions. Tell me a man who finds, uh, tell me what a man finds sexually attractive, and I will tell you his entire philosophy in life. Show me the woman he sleeps with, and I will tell you his evaluation of himself. No matter what corruption he's taught about the virtue of selfishness, sex is the most profoundly selfish act of all acts, an act which he cannot perform for any motive of his own enjoyment. Just just try to think of performing it in a spirit of selfless charity, an act which is not possible in self-abasement but only in self-exaltation, only in confidence of being desired, of being worthy of desire. It is an act that forces him to stand naked in spirit as well as in body and to accept his real ego as his standard of value. He will also, he will always be attracted to a woman who reflects his deepest version of himself. The woman who surrenders, uh, whose surrender permits him to experience or to fake a sense of self-esteem man who is proudly certain of his own value will want the highest type of woman. He could find a woman. He admires the strongest, hardest to conquer because the only the possession of a heroine will give him the sense of achievement, not the possession of a brainless slut. He does not seek to what's the matter. He asked looking at seeing the look on Reardon's face and look of intensity much beyond the mere intent of abstract discussion. Francisco continued. He does not seek to gain his value. He seeks to express it. There's no conflict between the standards of his mind and his, the desires of his body. But the man who is convicted of his own worthlessness will be drawn to a woman. He despises because he will not reflect his own self, uh, self secret or secret self. She will release him from that objective objective reality in which he is a fraud. She will give him a momentary illusion of his own value and a momentary escape from his moral code that damns him. 
observe the ugly mess in which most men make of their sex lives and the and observe the mess of contradictions which they told as their moral philosophy one proceeds from the other love is not is our response to our highest value and can be nothing else let a man corrupt his values and he in his view of existence let him profess that love is not self-enjoyment but self-denial that virtue consists not of pride but out of pity or pain or weakness or sacrifice that the noblest love is born not of admiration but of charity but not of not in response to values but in response of flaws and he will have cut himself in two his body will obey him will not obey him it will, it will not respond. It will make him impotent toward the woman he professes to love and draw him to the lowest top of his body will always follow the ultimate logic of his deepest convictions. If he believes that flaws are values, he is damned existence as evil and only evil will attract him. He has damned himself and he will feel that depravity is all he is worthy of enjoying. He has equated virtue with pain, and he will feel that vice is the only realm of pleasure. When he Then he will scream that his body is has vicious desires of its own in which his mind cannot conquer, that six, sex is a sin, that true love is a pure emotion of the spirit, and then he will wonder why love brings him nothing but boredom, sex, nothing but shame. Reardon is slowly looking off, not realizing he was thinking aloud at at least I've never accepted that other tenant. I never felt guilty about making money. Francisco missed the significance of the first two words. He smiled and said eagerly, you see that it's the same issue. No, you'd never accept any part of their vicious creed. You wouldn't be able to force it upon yourself. If you tried to damn sex as evil, you still find yourself against your will acting the proper moral premise you will be attracted to the highest woman you meet you've met you've you'd always want a heroine you would be incapable of self-contempt you would be unable to believe that the existence is evil and that you're helpless you're a helpless creature caught in an impossible universe you're the man who spent his life shaping matter to the purpose of his mind you're the man who would know that just as an idea unexpressed in physical action is a contemptible hypocrisy, so is platonic love. And just as physical action unguided by an idea is a fool's self-fraud, so is sex when you cut off from one's code of values. It's the same issue, and you would know it. Your involatile sense of self-esteem would know it. You would be incapable of desire for a woman you despised. Only the man who extols the purity of love devoid of desire is capable of depravity of a desire devoid of love. But to observe the most people of our creatures cut in half who keep swinging desperately from one side to the other. One kind of, kind of half is the man who despises money, factories, skyscrapers, and his own body. He holds undefined emotions, but none conceivable but non-conceivable subjects as the meaning of life and his claim of virtue. He 
cries with despair because he can feel nothing for a woman he respects, but finds himself in bondage to an irresistible passion of a slut from the gutter. He is the man who people call an idealist. Other kind of of half of the men are those who call whom people call practical, the man who desires, despises principles, abstractions, art, philosophy, and his own mind. He regards the acquisition of material objects as the only goal of existence, and he laughs that he needs to conquer their purpose or their or their source. He expects them to give him pleasure, and he wonders why. The more he gets, the less he feels. He is the man who spends his time chasing women. Observe the triple fraud he perpetuates upon himself. He will not acknowledge he is his need of self-esteem since he scoffs at such a concept as moral values. Yet he feels the profound self-contempt which comes from being believing that he is nothing more than a piece of meat. He will not acknowledge, but he knows that sex is a physical expression of tribute to, uh, to personal values. So he tries by going through the motions of the effort to acquire that which should have been should have been the cause. He tries to gain a sense of his own value from the women who surrender to him. And he forgets that the women he picks have neither character nor judgment nor standard of value. He tells himself that all he is after is physical pleasure. Observe that he tries his he tires of his woman in a week or even a night that he despises professional horrors and that he loves to imagine being seduced by virtuous girls who make great exception for his sake and is the feeling of achievement that he seeks and never finds. What glory can there be in the conquest of a mindless body? Now that is your woman chaser. Does that description fit me now? All right, that was a lot to go through. But you understand now that because your value, you have value. If you see yourself as a high-valued man, you're going to be able to get a high-valued woman. If you try your darndest and you're you're that's the the woman who is out of your league. All right? To put it another way, you know how you so many times we will go after a woman who is quote unquote out of our league and we fail at that or we may get her for a night but you know it's nothing happens from it that is because our actual value is too low to be able to entice her and the same way goes for other women women who seem who are low value are not going to go after can't get high valued men and that pisses them off because they think they they're high value they have fooled themselves into thinking they're high value when they are low. I mean, look at the they, there's a bunch of memes running around about uh, that uh, about the job of the hut looking dude who dresses as a woman and thinks that they're a ten. And it's like, yeah, dude, no, you want. They wonder why they are having such senseless actions because they don't see themselves as worthy. What is a high valued woman? Let's let's look at that. And there's there you can find all sorts of things. I found a couple around that were actually kind of uh, kind of funny, kind of interesting that uh, that they that they had talked about it, uh, but they were things that were very very womanly. Uh, it was, so it was like oh, it was, it has self care and 
and strives for the best and yet, you know, and all these other things like, no, okay. There's a few in there that might be okay. That might get close to what a high valued woman is, but what a guy actually looks for in a woman and is what deems her to be a high value to him is often a woman who has either a very low or no body count. No body count would actually be the best. The virgin is actually better because women who go through and have a lot of sex, it sounds like, yo, you want someone who is sexually experienced. And that's the big lie we tell ourselves so many times. We want someone who is sexually experienced, but yet, no. A woman who has become, who has had a high body count, she's going through the bodies, she's going through the men fast because she can't find the right man. And she's thinking she has to throw herself at a man to get his attention. And that is where it all goes so horribly wrong. Yes, sex is incredibly important in a relationship, but you don't hit that incredibly important part until down the road. Well, how, what if they're not good at, good at sex? If you've never had sex, you don't know what bad sex is. All right. If you're, if you're a virgin entering into a marriage, buddy, you've got that unicorn. If you have women who have had a high level of, of, uh, high level body counts and it's got a lot of notches in her belt, she's going, those, that's where the woman who has sex for only three reasons appears. And if you're not familiar with that, women, women who are of today's era only want sex for three different reasons. They want sex when they are looking for a man, they will initiate sex. They will actively and, ex- and, and I'm going to say enthusiastically, it's not quite the right word, but enthusiastically crave sex. They will actually go out and they will want to have sex with, with, with a man when they want children. So if a woman gets married and they'll, she'll have the little honeymoon period, but then sex will dry die off until she decides she wants to have children. Then the sex level will continue, will bump back up. And if she fears that she is losing the guy, whether married or, or dating, if she feels that she's losing the guy, she will start to have sex more often. That's one reason why you in older relationships, ones that have gone for 20, 30, 40 years, there's still bits of sex in there, but it is months in between. It's six months in between. It's once a year to, to none. Eventually when the guys just, uh, you know what, let's stop trying to kill, let's stop trying to kill myself over sex. Let's, we're just going to go, we're just going to accept the fact that this is our lot in life. Yet, if you can find a woman who has a very low body count, she's going to like sex a lot more through, through all of, uh, through all of, all of her life. Another quality that makes a woman a high valued woman is a woman who actually sees the value of a woman who sees the value of being feminine and sees the value of, and the power that a woman has and stops trying so hard to try to be a man. Now I'm not talking about the gender confused style of trying to be a man. I'm talking about trying thinking she has to compete head to head with another man. No women are amazing. They don't have to compete with other men. They don't have to compete with anything. They have their own level of power. And they, and when women are, are are comfortable in the fact that they have this power and they don't have to try to be men, they become so much higher valued. 
women who have a secure attachment style is another little point that adds to the value of a woman. She can be okay with with her her guy going to work and she doesn't have to call him 37 times a day or text him, hey, what you doing? None of that is important. She is busy doing what she needs to do. And she knows she'll see her man when she gets home. And when he gets home, a woman who has worked through her daddy issues, all right? Everybody has dad baggage, all right? But it's a lot of women. Sadly, that's part of the reasons why they have such a high body count. They are looking for a man to love them the way they thought they needed to be loved. And when they, when they do, when they start sleeping with a bunch of guys, they're not, they're not working on their dad issues. All right. They're not working on the dad, the, the dad baggage at all. They're just putting a band aid over what the wound is that they think is, that they have. When in all reality, her dad was just a guy who was living his life and doing what he could at what, how the best that he could at what he was doing. Was it right? No, I had no idea. I, that is just, it's a thought, you know, his thoughts on whatever his circumstances were. A high valued woman is not a woman who is dragging around three kids from three different guys, three kids from two different guys. All right. That again, reflects back to the daddy issues, reflects back to the high body count. Woman who puts her heart into all the stuff she tries. She's going to do stuff and she's going to go after it. She's going to do it whether you approve of it or not. That's a damn good woman. But a woman who is also up for the adventure her man is going to take her on. That's a good woman. That's a high-valued woman who will confidently push her man to be better. She's not going to let her man settle. That is a good woman. But also takes pride in the fact that her man is encouraging her to get better also willing to work as a team with her man, not sit there and try to minimize him, which a lot of women these days do sadly. And also and this one's just small. This almost would see and guys sadly have jumped into this a lot more. And I, there for a short bit, I did until it really dawned on me what, what I was doing. Drop the, if you're married, it's not a partner. If you are dating it's not, you're not a partner. Drop the term partner. If your girlfriend, your wife is using the term partner, that's she's dropping her value is what she's doing. Cause she doesn't see you as a husband. She doesn't see you as the boyfriend, as the fiance. All right. Neither one of y'all need to be using the term partner. The only time a partner is being used is when you're in a homosexual relationship. And even then uh, this is my husband. Uh, I'm his husband, you know, you, they, most of the time, it seems like the gay men are actually doing the uh, are doing the the husband thing a lot better than what the straight guy folks are doing these days, and that's that's a a problem with society. And these all go with no matter whether you are divorced, not married, or married. And if you want to, but to be able to get a high valued woman like that, you've got to increase your value. And how do you actually increase your value? There are four pillars, those four pillars, the four pillars of relaxed male, you have to start working on those. You have to start building on those. These make you a higher valued man. You got to work on your mind, perform the man's mind, be reading books that interest you, that bring you to improve your knowledge on whatever your passion is. You have to work on your body, being an out of shape 
you know, potato is not going to work for you. It is not going to draw a high valued woman. All right. Matter of fact, if you have are married to a high valued woman, you're going to draw her. You're going to send her drive her away. If your body, if you look like a bag, uh, you know, look like a bag of mashed potatoes, stop being couch potato, drop the starch, start getting outside, start working your body a bit, feed your soul. Know what feeds your soul, what get, stirs your soul and uh, makes you come alive. Chase that. Go for that. Work towards whatever your purpose is, whatever your calling is. Find it. And if you don't know what it is, that is your purpose, is to find your purpose. And then when you have found it, start pursuing it relentlessly. Why do you think I've been doing relaxed mail for, see, since 2017? So 17, 18, 19, 21, 22, 23. We're coming up on, on the sixth year, fixing to do seventh year. And been really narrowed it down to what my actual, what I believe my actual calling is, which is coaching. And that kicked off in, I I went ahead and actually really barrowed down on it in 2020. So you have to feed your soul. And this has done, given me more rewards than I could have ever imagined. But the, and finally, and quite possibly the most important, I've gotten around where I think this is the most important because it will work on it. You have to get this one going to really get the other three pillars going. This is grow your community. Men, you need to find your band of brothers. All right. Get those band of brothers, those guys that you're going to meet on a weekly basis. And you talk and you talk about the things that matter. You talk about the stuff that doesn't matter, but you also have the ability to talk to them and go, man, I'm struggling with this. I don't know how to get past this little problem, man. I'm not getting this taken care of. I'm, I'm failing at this. What do I need to do and lay your negative energy out for these men? And these men, when you have a no a set of noble friends who are with you, they will see you, they will lift you up and they will go here. This is how you, I would fix it. If I were you, they will give you ideas. They will give you advice. And when they give you advice, take that advice. Try it. If it doesn't work, you can report back and go, yeah, man, I tried that. It didn't work. It did not. Am I missing something? When you do that, you will find there is a lot of growth that happens in you. And that means you want to have a group of men that you talk to. This is something you have to be very methodical, very intent and intentional on doing. You find a guy who is making a little more money than what you are. And you want to learn how to make make money like he does. You want to learn how he how somebody does something in particular. You bring them into the fold, and you first before you actually even bring them in the fold, you get to around to talking with them. And you essentially you interview them, and you find out, hey, is this guy going to be a good fit for the rest of them? And if so, then you bring them into the fold and go, hey guys, I'm I'm bringing John in, and and who knows, maybe John has a friend who really is a good fit for y'all also. And he may bring his friend in and it may be a good fit. Or if not, you can go, Hey, yeah, we're not going to invite him back again. The group has a say, but you have to grow your community and you have to have this set of friends. You do not, your value is going to stay low and you're going to struggle finding a high valued woman. Your value really starts to increase when you start feeding your soul. When you start having that value that takes off, 
boom, you are, you're, you're climbing the, the value ladder. If you're struggling with trying to reach any of these four pillars, or you're wanting to know how to, you need help becoming better at becoming a higher valued man. I want to reach out to you and ask, Hey, go to relaxmail.com forward slash coaching and get a consult call. Love to sit down, talk with you, say, Hey, this is what it's like. If you're curious about what coaching is, man, you can also just shoot me a text or shoot me an email and go, Hey, I'm interested in seeing what coaching is about. I can also, I can give you a, a, a a free uh, mini session where we'll sit down and we'll, we'll just find out how let you experience what coaching is about on a day-to-day basis and help you see, Hey, this is not a guy going to browbeat you, tell you that you're a worthless piece of crap. This is a guy who's going to come along and is going to show you how wonderful your life really is. Is going to help you to start gaining the courage and the, and the self-esteem and start looking at the world in a more confident manner where if you want to start out on a new adventure, you're actually able to. I want to have you start being able to live your life on your terms and your wife be happy with it. You won't have to worry about feeling like the browbeaten uh, little boy anymore. You can be the man who stamps up and confidently goes, we're doing this today. And if the wife doesn't, you're like, all right, cool. Well, you can hang out here. I'm doing this anyhow. And you go on and you can do that and you can have a good life. If you would like to have something like that, then let me know. Reach out to me. Go to relaxmail.com forward slash coaching. Follow the link. There's a, and we'll set up a time. We'll schedule a time to, to do some, some, uh, consult call and we'll see how we can work with each other. So guys, with that, I want to say thank you very much for listening. If anything I said here resonated with you and you're wanting to share this, Share this out. Share this with all the guys that you know of and guys in your group. Share, play it with, uh, you know, play it on, uh, on the Bluetooth speakers while you're at work. Do whatever it is you can to let guys know that there is this, this site. There's this group out there called the relaxed male and we are out to help men become better men. Our society needs the better men and your family needs the better man. And that will be done when you start becoming, when you start relaxing, you start setting, settling back and become comfortable in your own skin. So guys, thank you very much for listening. If you like the show, you can hit uh, subscribe, follow on your, on the app of your choice. And this will be downloaded every week on Thursdays to your, uh, to your podcast app of choice. And we will talk to you next week, guys, because we've got more to talk about. This is where we're hitting, uh, we're just, like I said, we just hit the episode 201. We've got a lot more episodes, a lot more topics to be talked about. So guys, thank you again for listening. We'll see y'all next week.